Today, we're going to talk about how smart people shouldn't be allowed to run the country. I'm Jared Dillian, and welcome to the Be Smart Podcast, where we talk about how not to be an idiot with your money. We're not really going to be talking about money today. This is something that's been on my mind watching the Winter Olympics. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, uh, our government is full of really smart people, very gifted people end up in the highest levels of government. It's a tough job. Now, most government jobs are not tough jobs, but once you get like into the White House and into the cabinet departments at the higher levels, like you get a lot of smart people, you get very gifted people. So the results so far have not been good. Now, what we have created in this country is kind of like an intellectual sorting machine. So we all take the SATs, we go to high school, we get grades, and then we apply to college, and the smart kids go to Ivy League schools. And what happens is they meet other smart kids, and they marry other smart kids, and they have their own smart kids. And we have created what is known as a cognitive elite. We Smart people run the country, for better or for worse. Now, in the old days, the country was run on the basis of social class. So we rejected that idea, I want to say in the 70s and 80s, and we created this meritocracy. But there's been all kinds of unintended consequences with this meritocracy. And I'm, I'm not even sure that's the better system. Is meritocracy better than what we had before? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. People have written about this. There's some great articles about this. But this cognitive elite has become very entrenched, and the country is being run from people who just come from a handful of schools on the East Coast. Now, Amy Coney Barrett went to Notre Dame Law School, but before her, for a long time, everybody else on the Supreme Court either went to Harvard or Yale. Seriously. Now, the thing about smart people is that they know they are smart, and they think they have all the answers. They say, all we have to do is pass this law and we'll fix this problem. We'll pass that law and we'll fix that problem. And what ends up happening is that there are all kinds of unintended consequences to these laws. And it just ends up making a mess. So in my newsletter, The Daily Dirt Nap, I talked about the fact that very high IQ people tend to be very far left politically. That's true. Well... They believe in the power of the human mind to solve problems and make the world a better place, which isn't unreasonable. I believe that at one time. I believed that when I was a teenager. Now, a lot of people don't remember this, but during the Cold War, like during the 1960s, you know, communism had a certain appeal to some people. And one of the reasons it had an appeal was because communism was considered to be scientific as opposed to capitalism, which was considered to be based on faith. And there is an element of faith in capitalism, because what we say in capitalism is that everyone pursuing their own best interests creates good for everybody. And if we just leave things alone and let people pursue their own best interests, then it all works out in the end. And it's not faith, but you can't scientifically prove it. You can't scientifically prove that capitalism works because an economy is very complex and it's just too hard. It's too hard. So if you look at it from the outside, there there is like an element of faith in it. 
But we, what people said in the 60s was that communism is about science. You see, we can mathematically determine all these inputs. We can say that this factory needs this amount of steel and that factory needs that amount of steel. And by the power of the human mind, we can determine the needs of all the economic actors in the economy. And what ends up happening is that the whole system is plagued with shortages and dysfunction. And the funny thing about science is that, you know, today science itself has become kind of a religion. Because you hear these things. You hear people say, well, I believe in science. Well, that's, that's nonsensical. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, science is based on skepticism and falsifying beliefs. So that doesn't make any sense. Science is the belief in humans to figure things out. But some things are too complex for us to figure out. And besides, they work well if you leave them alone which is the philosophy of non-interventionism. You see, the cognitive elite are utopians. They believe that they can create a society that is perfect and equitable. Just through some tweaks here and there. We'll just make a tweak here, we'll make a tweak there, and everything will be perfect. One more law and utopia will be reached. See, my belief is that society is just fine as it is, and if you want it to get better, you should leave people to their own devices to act in their own best interests. And sometimes... We look at people and you say, well, they're not acting in their own best interests, like smoking. Like, how can somebody possibly be acting in their own best interests? And I, I would make the argument that they are. If somebody smokes, that is a rational decision. It's a perfectly rational decision. And what they're saying when they do that is they believe that their life is enhanced enough by smoking that the reduced lifespan is an acceptable trade-off. And these are decisions that people make all the time. Anyway, the main thing I was talking about in the newsletter was Eileen Gu, who is the 18-year-old freestyle skier who is competing for China. She's American, but she's competing for China. I guess she gave up her citizenship or something uh, because China doesn't allow dual citizenship. So she's competing for China, and she's a super interesting person. So, she, you know, her reasons for competing for China... Well, she said she wants to be a role model for Chinese girls to become skiers. Now, that sounds like bullshit to me. Okay, that seems unlikely. And I'm guessing that politics had something to do with their decision. And people say, no, it doesn't have anything to do with politics. She wants to help Chinese girls. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, if she was approached by China to ski for them and they offered her money and perks and stuff like that, I mean, if her family was flag-waving patriots, they would have said no, and she would have skied for the United States. But they're not. I mean, they're lifelong San Francisco residents. They made that decision when Trump was president. I mean, what do you think is going on? So, And there's people out there calling her a traitor. I'm not calling her a traitor. But I am going to say that she and her family is probably more than a bit sympathetic to the Chinese political system over the U.S. political system. You know, athletes compete for other countries all the time, but it's usually a situation where you have an athlete and they can't, you know, like let's say U.S. athlete and they can't make their national team. Uh, they're not good enough. So they compete for Tonga, the kingdom of Tonga. They compete for Tonga and under the Tonga flag. And that's how smaller countries get their Olympic delegations. But Eileen Gu is really the first one who had the ability to win a gold medal for her home country that went to compete for another country. 
But now one thing we know about Eileen Gu is that she has a 1580 on her SATs, which is super high score. The max is 1600. She's easily in the 99th percentile, probably close to the top. Now, I've never told anybody my SATs because it's kind of gauche. You know, I just it's bad manners. But just for reference, you know, I got a 1430 in 1991. And then about five years later, they recentered the mean on the test. Uh, statistically, what they did was they made the mean higher. Um, so if you translate my 1991 scores to today, it comes out to about a 1480. So that's what I would have. And I'm telling you, when you get into these upper reaches of intelligence, when you get that smart, you come to some pretty interesting conclusions. You know, I went to a gifted and talented camp in the 1980s, and all of the kids that went to that camp, I want to say all, I don't want to make a broad generalization, but most of them ended up having some pretty far left politics. We can talk about the SAT some other time, or we can talk about them now. You know, a lot of schools are no longer using them which I find troubling. I find that to be troubling. You see, the nice thing about the SATs is that they're a quantitative measure. They're fair. And once you start using, once you stop using quantitative measures, you start using subjective measures and the whole system becomes open to abuse. So I would rather that these sorts of things be objective rather than subjective. You know, I went to high school with a guy. I was on the wrestling team in high school, and there was a there was a kid on my wrestling team who was a very gifted wrestler. In high school, he accumulated a record of 171 and one, <laughs> and he won three New England championships. He was, I mean, he's considered to be one of the greatest high school wrestlers of all time. Um, he applied to colleges, and I don't know this for a fact. But I had heard through the grapevine that his SAT scores were very, very low, like really, really low. And he, you know, some of the big wrestling schools are Iowa and Oklahoma, and he couldn't get in. So he ended up going to a junior college in Kansas to wrestle there. And I don't know what happened after that. But the question is, do smart people have all the right answers? And I think most people today would say absolutely not. You know, if you ask me if I would rather have a president with a 130 IQ or a 160 IQ, I would take the 130 IQ president any day of the week because somebody who has a 130 IQ is acting on principles rather than expediency. You know, George Bush, everybody thought he was a dumb president, and I've seen him speak, and he's certainly not dumb. Uh, he's a smart guy. And there is no doubt that the man has principles. And you may not agree with his principles, but he did not do the thing that was expedient. He did the thing that was hard. And a lot of people who are really smart tend to have more of a utilitarian philosophy. And they do the thing that is expedient. And there's been a lot of talk in the last five years about experts and such and listening to experts. And I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to experts. But I am saying that the experts all tend to believe a certain thing and that they have blind spots. So that about does it for today for the Be Smart Podcast. By the way, I went out to lunch today, and I came back out to my car, and the car wouldn't start. Battery was dead. Uh, I called AAA. There was a tow truck there in five minutes. And he had a bunch of batteries in the truck, and he swapped out my battery. I paid 160 bucks, and within 30 minutes, I was back on the road. Now, I had a bad experience with AAA about seven or eight months ago. I take it all back. 
I take it all back. This was a fantastic experience. Thanks for listening to the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time.